Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. And uh, I, I went to my cardiologist today for my final screening because I'm old mm. and they, they just do that now. They're like, mm-hmm. you should just, you know, go and make sure things just are come every fine. month. Just yeah. do a check. You know? So, uh, the car- I asked the cardiologist, uh, the f- is the fact that I confused Rivers of London with two other unrelated books uh, a problem with my heart? And he said, no, no, that has nothing to do with your heart. You're fine. Oh, we'll cover this later in the show. Don't worry. Yeah. We have <laughs> so feedback. It's, it, uh, it's, it's all on me. I can't, I can't blame a disease. But did he also say or did they also say that you should be drinking Diet Coke at, at 630 at night? Is that good <laughs> no. for your heart? No, what he did say is your heart's in very good shape. There's Mm -hmm. no plaque. There's no calcium buildup. Like everything looks great. And so because Tartine is right across from my cardiologist, as soon as I was done, I went and bought Pana Chocolat, a brownie and a loaf of buttermilk bread. There's a Tartine in LA? (laughs) Yeah. In Santa Monica. I didn't know that. Uh Uh-huh. And it's right across from my cardiologist. <laughs> so this was the last of four screenings that I had to do. So mm-hmm. as soon as I was done, I was like, I'm buying me some tartine to celebrate, uh, which means I ate a lot of stuff today. So I probably shouldn't be adding more calories. So I had a Diet Coke. I That's went, what I'm drinking. I had to go for like my blood panel recently. And uh-huh. and uh, immediately beforehand, I went to Little Chihuahua and had a massive burrito. <laughs> Just like massive burrito. And I got to the doctor and they were like, um, so did you fast before <laughs> your oh, test? No. And I was like, Oh, was I supposed oh. to do that? And he's like, Yeah, because no, we're looking at your results. And it says your blood is 90% burrito. Yeah. I was like, that that checks out. That that <laughs> tracks. Yeah, that tracks. Um, no, they they didn't care, but then my my doctor did write back with at the, after the results, and she's like, "Well, there are some things in here that are a little high, um, yeah. so we're just going to keep an eye on this." Yeah, I bet there are. <laughs> I was like, "All right, well, you know, it is what it is." So yeah, so I'm drinking Gavitz Demina again, Gun Bun. Gun Bun you is my drink of choice bun. right now. I do love the Gun Bun. Yeah, I'm not a member yeah. anymore, so I'm I'm killing off the last of these couple of couple uh, of bottles. Gotcha. Yeah, we're we're gonna take a little vacation in Napa. Uh, in a couple oh, weeks. Yeah. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you have a list of places you're excited to to visit? There are several restaurants we can't wait to hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are doing the wine train. Never done the wine oh. train before. So that was yeah. one of me and Ryan's like first big like fancy dates. Oh really? Yeah. It was really this cute. Yeah. Apparently very fancy on the wine train. Uh, and, uh, we're going to, we're probably, we're going to go to, we're members of St. Francis, which is why I'm often drinking St. Francis wine. So we'll obviously hit that. Nice. That'll be a nice time. Well, you'll come, you'll come say hi to me before you head up there. Right. We, uh, yes, the, we would like to, uh, because we're going to be stopping and seeing the nieces. So yeah, there should be, there should be time. We should figure out how to make you that happen. Come meet Juju. I do. Yes, absolutely. While he's still baby Juju. Yeah. Before he goes to high school. 
I know, right? At this point, it feels like any day now. <laughs> right. All right. Well, hello to our live chat. We've got our live chat listening over here in Discord. And uh, hello to all you listeners out there. Let's jump right into the quick burns. Uh, this one came from Roberator, like uh, com- compressed, efficient, just the link. Uh, Yelling. Prime Video renews the Wheel of Time for season three, to which Veronica asked... I, I have, wait, did season two come out yet? <laughs> <laughs> to which I said, no, I guess that's why it's such a big story. Well, good for uh, them. Yeah, yeah. So I, streaming services tend to do this more often than networks used to do, where they're like, oh, uh, things are going so well shooting season two and the, the analytics are great. Let's just go ahead and, and budget for season three and, and get it out on, on the books. So yeah, that, that's going to happen. Yeah, so it sounds like at a at a previous Comic-Con, not this most recent one, uh, the showrunner, uh, Rafe Judkins, said that he had plotted eight seasons of the series. So those haven't all been approved, but that's kind right. of how he's tracking the story for like a full adaptation. Um, so that's pretty cool. Only yeah. eight? <laughs> Only eight. I guess that's <laughs> going to really feels, compress that timeline. In time the world line. of Wheel of Time, feels like that's short. Yeah. You know what? If they can, they've got a complete story to tell, so they can figure out now where they can cut things out mm, and maybe make yeah. a more condensed version. So I think that's yeah, I think it's exciting. I'm yeah, I'm stoked exciting. for it to come back. Yeah, I I enjoyed it quite a bit, so I'm I'm excited about it. I never finished the book series, as I have mentioned many times throughout the 13 or so years we've been doing this show, but I did enjoy the television series. It's not that we didn't like the book, just so you know. No, Please it is ask. that I didn't like the books. No, it's a hundred percent that I, I know you're trying to save me. I know you're try- trying, I appreciate to- <laughs> you don't need to white knight me. I'm allowed to have opinions I, about things like I'm this. I'm not white knighting you. I didn't, I, I didn't think it was because you didn't like the book. I got really bored by book four. I couldn't keep going. So it's All not right. that I like hated so the books. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Come at me. Come at me, bro. I'm like the the sloth standing up with my arms raised like, oh, it's an anteater. Come at me, bro. All right. All right. All right. Scott says the first annual self-published science fiction competition, SPSFC, announced its winner. Iron Truth by S.A. Tholen took the trophy this round. The competition is hosted by Hugh Howey and encourages promoting all things self-published sci-fi. The next round is currently underway, and we're encouraging any self-pubbed sci-fi author to apply. And, they say, we're also seeking judges, reviewers, or bloggers for the next round. It's very laid back and free books. Information slash criteria slash judging process can be found at thespsfc.org. And we'll have the link to that in the show notes. Yeah, this is the thing you told me I should do, right? I told you you should do. Yeah, I should do that. You were right. You should do, you could do and this. it's not number. too late. You could do this many ways. You could either submit your own self-published mm-hmm. books, of which you have many, yep. or you could also review books. You should do that too. I do not have time for anything. I am losing my mind. <laughs> if I sign up for one more thing, I'm going to go into a self-protective coma. The folks on audio can't see the emptiness in your eyes as you say yeah. that. I'm an empty husk of a person. 
Uh, so the rest of you go to the SPSFC.org. Uh, Mar, is, empty husk a, is Empty Husk of a Person the title of this episode? Maybe. I feel like it has to be we'll now. See. Yeah. We'll see. Can you write that? <laughs> we can't need anything better. We'll, let sure, me, uh, I'll do it as a sample. I got it. Okay, got it. Uh, Mar, welcome to the Quick Burns, uh, says the U.S. Library of Congress has announced the speakers for National Book Festival over Labor Day weekend. Uh, Labor Day weekend, first weekend in September for those outside the U.S. Uh, science fiction and fantasy authors include Chelsea Abdullah, Holly Black, B.L. Blanchard, Rob Hart, M.J. Kuhn, Victor Manibo, Tochi Onyebuchi, Leslie Penelope, and Lucinda, oh, uh, Lucinda Roy and Nye Vo. Uh, nice. So... Yeah, uh, one author I recognize there and a bunch of folks that I would like to get to know. Uh, interested attendees not able to join the festival in person can tune into sessions throughout the day. Events on several of the stages will be live streamed on loc.gov slash bookfest. Videos of all presentations will be made available on demand shortly after the festival. That's very cool. I like that. Yeah, I know two of those authors, so I would I'd still just be interested to see what the format's going to be like. I think it's going to be fun that you're going to see this happen more often, uh, mm-hmm. and that you're going to, because of the necessity of doing it in the past, a lot of conferences and events have learned how to do the the remote viewing and live streaming. And I think that's great because it makes these sorts of things more accessible to everyone. Absolutely. Mark says the 2022 World Fantasy Award nominees have been announced and the nominees for Best Novel are... Black Water Sister by Zen Cho, A Master of Jin by P. Jelly Clark, The City Beautiful by Aiden Polydorus, The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri, and The Last House on Needless Street by Ketrune Award. And the winners will be announced at the World Fantasy Convention November 3 to 6, 2022. All right. Well, obviously, we, we know P. Jelly Clark uh, mm-hmm. on that list. Uh, the Last House on Needless Street feels like the needlessest house. I'm very intrigued by that title. <laughs> like the street wasn't even needed and it's the last house on it. What's going on with that house? Yeah, there's, let's see. Cool. There's a lot of good stuff here. I'm just going through the, um, the other sections here. Mm. So there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, as always more, just more great stuff to add to your TBR. Um, where is the world fantasy convention? this coming year. I'm looking to see where that's going to be. Um, anyway, I can look that up while you read the next one. I'm All just right. curious. Yeah, you find that and I'll tell them what Mark wanted us to tell them. The 2022 scribe awards were handed out at SDCC, San mm. Diego comic-con. Uh, these awards celebrate excellence in the field of writing licensed works, tie-ins, uh, to things like television, movies, gaming, or comic books. Best adapted novel went to Alien 3, the unproduced mm-hmm. screenplay by William Gibson by Pat Cadigan. We talked so about that. Yep. Yeah. Pat Cadigan's <laughs> adaptation of William, William Gibson's, Gibson's unproduced screenplay. screenplay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and best original novel uh, went to Star Trek Picard Rogue Elements by John Jackson Miller. Awesome. And yeah, by the way, the uh, World Fantasy Convention will be in New Orleans. And New Orleans. Yeah, I did ah. actually find that before Dwango posted it in the Discord. But yes, but thanks, Dwango. Uh, that yeah. would be super fun to um to go to if I wasn't scared of COVID. Still, I am still a COVID virgin, a, so I'm not ready to give that up. <laughs> uh, yeah, same here. Um, yeah, there was a uh, big uh, food truck doing gumbo, New Orleans style gumbo, uh, in our neighborhood. 
today and I had already bought all that bread <laughs> that I mentioned earlier when I passed it. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I can't. You, but can't. you could have like had the gumbo for dinner or like lunch the next day. I mean, it might still be over there, actually. I think you should stop what you're doing and go get some gumbo. All right. I'll see you guys later. Yeah, I'll see you later. All right. Get me some uh, while you're Rick, there. Rick pointed out that the first full trailer for the Netflix adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Sandman just dropped. Do you mm. hate Sandman? Because that's a way to get people to come at you. I do not. But. Okay, good. But. But. I never read it. Oh, I, that's fine. That'll Is just it? make people tell you you should read it, right? Mm-hmm. I came to know Sandman in Austin. A friend of mine was a big fan, and uh, it, it was it was kind it was new uh, back then because it was the nineties. Uh, and I it has a, a soft spot in my heart because of that because it was a very welcoming comic book scene uh, that I, I sort of drifted in and out of but I never finished it I never I never mm-hmm. finished reading the series and that has a way more to do with me than it has to do with Sandman uh, I I decided drinking was more important back then so <laughs> there's priorities yeah. yeah. The, there were a lot of bad choices I made. Not finishing Sandman was not even the worst of them. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm intrigued uh, by by the trailer and uh, can't wait to watch. Mark says that uh, this is a very intriguing title, by the way. Mark Stephen King and the DOJ battle random penguins invading Simon and Schuster, <laughs> with Amazon looming menacingly over the book industry. Penguin Random acquired Simon & Schuster, but the Department of Justice is taking them to court on August 1st. The DOJ couldn't stop the last big media merger, AT&T and Time Warner, so the big five publishers may become the really big one plus three less big publishers, <laughs> Hachette Book Group, HarperCollins, and Macmillan. Uh, quote, the witness lists includes a few bold-faced names, uh, including many of the big five CEOs, some major literary agents, and best-selling author Stephen King, who is listed as a witness for the government. Yeah, so I, I looked into this. Um, these kinds of antitrust cases are not unfamiliar to me from the tech side. Mm-hmm. So this one reminds me very much of when AT&T wanted to buy T-Mobile, uh, and the argument was that buying T-Mobile would reduce competition and would it reduce competition too much? And the DOJ successfully sued in that case and prevented AT&T from buying T-Mobile. And instead, T-Mobile bought Sprint. I think like, the reasoning right, was <laughs> T-Mobile and Sprint were both small, so right. them combining wasn't too big, which has parallels here. As, as Mark pointed out, if Penguin Random acquires Simon & Schuster, you get a gargantuan publishing company and mm-hmm. three smaller ones, Hachette, HarperCollins, and Macmillan. Uh, so the government's case is that that is going to be too much market power. However, usually with antitrust, you focus on consumer harm, mm-hmm. and that's when you mm-hmm. allege like monopolistic uh, tendencies might, might follow. In this case, they're focusing on author payments, which is why you have Stephen King on the witness stand. That is an allegation of monopsony, not monopoly, but monopsony, M-O-N-O-P-S-O-N-Y. Monopsony occurs when a firm becomes the sole buyer 
or dominant buyer of goods and services instead mm. of the sole provider of goods I or services. See. Okay. And so you can depress payments, and that's going to be the government's cases. This would depress payments to authors uh, because if they have too much market power, then they can they can say like, oh, sure, you can go to one of the others, but they can't afford to pay you anyway. And, you know, mm. you're going to make more money with us, even if it's less than you would otherwise. Uh, I see. Th- opinions seem to be mixed. Most places I read feel like the government has a pretty good chance of stopping this because of the size. Uh, but nobody's underestimating Penguin Random's lawyers. Uh, ability to to kind of say like, oh, well, you're only protecting the largest uh, authors. You're we would be able to provide payments to all kinds of authors and share the wealth. Blah 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 blah. I see. I see. Interesting. Well, yeah, I would love to hear that testimony. I mean, I feel like Stephen King has very strong opinions on things. Uh, thank you, Mark. Mark says uh, good analysis, and and Mark, thank you for for submitting this <laughs> to uh, the Quick Burns. Uh, and the next Mark, one, Mark. Later, by the way, we're gonna get three marks in a row here. And Mark on on Goodreads was like, "Where's Jan?" <laughs> <laughs> but that's the beauty. That's the beauty of uh, of our our community. Is there's there was Deridara. There's Trike. There's Jan. There's Mark, like there's always somebody like jumping in to to pick up the baton. So mm-hmm. uh, it was it was Mark this time. And we really appreciate that. Uh, this one is about nominees for the British Fantasy Award being announced. Uh, winners will be announced at Fantasy Con in September. Best Fantasy Novel. The Robert Holdstoke Award nominees are The Black Coast by Mike Brooks, The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri again, uh, mm-hmm. She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan, Sister Song by Lucy Holland, This Is Our Undoing by Lorraine Wilson, and The Unbroken by C.L. Clark. I keep seeing... I mean, I keep seeing the Jasmine Throne and She Who Became the Sun mentioned on yep. tons of lists. So don't be surprised if one of those two becomes a a future read because I feel like they're just yeah. they're so buzzy and so awardy right now. I'm I'm really curious about about them personally. I am getting very curious about She Who Became the Sun and mm-hmm. and and now after today's show, also more about the Jasmine Throne. So yeah, yeah I'm in. And finally, Mark comes to us with another post and says, in November, Random Penguin, or maybe Random Penguin Simon Schuster, will publish a (laughs) 30th anniversary edition of Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson with new material from the author's Mm. archives. And this is right from Neil Stevenson's Twitter account. Now, we all know it's Penguin Random, but I love that Mark refers to them as Random Penguin. No, it should be random penguin. Absolutely. I think I'm going to start doing that too. Yeah. Yeah. No, they made a huge mistake with that. (laughs) Surprise penguin. Random (laughs) penguin. Ah! (laughs) Ooh, surprise penguin is also a a really good title. Mm. (laughs) All right. I'll put that in there as a uh, a alternate. Alt. Okay. We'll decide. You, You listening know which one we picked. We don't. We don't. Yeah, you're in the future. We're the, we're we're just living this in real time right yeah. now. It's it's very exciting. Exciting stuff over here. All right, well, thanks to everyone who submitted Quick Burns for the show today. You can do so by either posting in our Quick Burns channel over on our Discord or over on our Quick Burns thread at goodreads.com/swordandlaser. All right, well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. 
And the first one comes from Barack, who says, I am in tears <laughs> laughing at Ace Detect and Veronica making an absolute mess of London-based sci-fi fantasy fiction on Sword and Laser's latest episode. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> to which Veronica replied, there's a lot of it. And I replied, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> I t- I don't understand why you said that. I don't get the joke. Well, because I was so confused I see. in that episode right. that I was yeah. like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah. Oh, actually, Tamahome has a really great suggestion. We just call it Multiverse Penguin, and I just take the same album art from uh, the Multiverse Tom <laughs> album like art and just replace it all with penguins. That. Uh-huh. All That'd right. be pretty we'll good. make a note of that. Surprise and or Multiverse Penguin. Yeah. Uh, and... and the uh, the truth is, in the various multiverses, we use all these headlines in mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. one one universe or another. Mm-hmm. That works for me. All right, this uh, so this falls to me to read the latest Beth Mitchum tweet Lucky. review. I'm so excited, Mitchum Beth, you're the best. Here it is: Hunt the Stars, Jesse Mahalik. Sword and Laser picked a great summer read. It's a fast-moving romp using many great tropes, telepathic cats, <laughs> and psionics. Rival space empires betraying their own people, found family, space crew, and love among the stars. Aww. This Aww. is so good. I actually enjoy this book more now after reading this tweet. <laughs> I have to say, I do have to, to say that, like, the comments about this book made me feel more affection for it than I think I felt yeah. at the time of actually reading it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Distance, yeah. Absence makes the heart grow fun. Yeah. All right. And then finally, I almost <laughs> jumped right ahead to our book discussion, but we have one more discussion to get to. Uh, this is Cruise with an author from Seth, who mm. says, I came across this cruise advertisement which will give you a week-long Danube cruise with author Jillian Flynn of Gone Girl fame. You spend a week doing sightseeing stuff, but also get to attend exclusive author events. So that made me think of what author I might pay to spend a themed week on a boat with. I was thinking a Murderbot week with Martha Wells (laughs) might be a good time. I'm pretty socially awkward, so to honor Murderbot, there could be events where people get to wear helmets or something so we could hide our facial expressions. And there's always the option to skip any event and get room service and watch TV. You're going to have a, a tall order getting me on any cruise. Let's I agree. Put it, put it right there. Now, like even pre-COVID, you're mm-hmm. going to have, have a hard time getting me on a boat. But I do know many people. Uh, our mutual friend, Allison Sheridan, uh, just finished an Iceland cruise, and they had scientific uh, lectures as part of that. Mm-hmm. As well. Wait, am I confusing two of her cruises? I know she had a cruise where they had scientific lectures, and I know she did an Iceland cruise most recently. I may be conflating the two, but she has done those cruises where, like, you get to have these amazing lectures uh, with people. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was this cruise where you, you can like go up and get pictures with them and talk to them afterwards. Oh, that's fun. And, well, and there's like the Joko cruise, which is yeah. You know, there's yeah. got to be authors that go on Joko cruise. Like, doesn't Scalzi go on the Joko cruise or oh something yeah like yeah that? I think he has yeah. for sure. I would say I don't know if there's any author big enough to make me want to go on a cruise who's still alive, like Douglas Adams maybe could have, but uh, sadly, not anymore. However, Seth's description here is pretty alluring, like Mm -hmm. the ability to all just sit around wearing murder bot helmets (laughs) on a cruise. It's pretty great. I would definitely do this in a ballroom on land. 
there are fewer things in the world I less want to do than go on a cruise of any mm-hmm. kind. I'm 100% with you. I strongly, strongly feel that way. Not to knock on anyone who likes to go on cruises. I know they're very popular. I'm totally sure there's fun it. aspects. Um, but yeah. I, I, in my I wanna... case, it's probably an unfounded fear. And yet. Well, we've got the COVID it. thing for one. I mean, this is this is all, you know, this is not. I don't want to go on any poop cruises. I've heard too much about poop cruises. I don't want to get COVID on a cruise. And I don't want anyone to see me in a bathing suit ever. So therefore, I will never go on any cruise. And I don't want to be trapped on a cruise. I don't want to be trapped on a boat. I'm naysaying cruises now, and this is really not the point of the discussion. I, yeah. I don't think there's any any author that could also get me on a cruise. No cruises for us, but cruises for you if you like them. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Now, let's say you liked cruises, or let's say the ship isn't a ship anymore. Okay. Like, in a world, in a multiverse world where Veronica and Tom like cruises, what author would you want to spend time hanging out with? <sighs> Probably Rothfuss, just because he's so fun. Or Kevin yeah. Hearn. Yeah, Kevin Hearn would be fun. Um, Kevin Hearn will bring whiskey. That's yeah. a good choice. And tacos. Um, Scalzi would be fun. He'd be a blast. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. I feel like Kevin Hearn just for the taco bar alone. Yeah. I mean, tacos and whiskey, like I'm pretty, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty there. Yeah. I mean, we're open to be persuaded by offers similar to those. Those are my guys. I feel like those are my, my guys I like to (laughs) hang with like at cons Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I feel like they'd be good cruise buddies. Gail Carragher (laughs) would be a blast. Gail Carragher would be, oh, that was like a theme cruise. (gasps) Yeah. That would be a Victorian like themed Mm -hmm. cruise with Gail Carragher. Mm -hmm. I could definitely get on that. We could do a train instead of a boat. I love it. I I love trains. I love Like an Orient Express kind of thing. Licorice in the the chat says Neil Gaiman because then maybe we could interview him. (laughs) (laughs) Get him trapped on a boat. (laughs) From your lips to God's ears. You're trapped on a boat now, Mr. Gaiman. You will interview. (laughs) (laughs) We love Sandman. All right. Uh, Let's announce our next book. This is not the proper kickoff. We'll do that next time. But don't forget our August pick, as as picked uh, off the cuff by Veronica in the last episode, is Rivers of London, also known as Midnight Riot in the U.S., by Ben Aronovich. We'll give it a proper kickoff next episode. But if you're a patron at the $3 level or up, there's a book briefing waiting for you in Patreon right now. Go read it. Excelente. I have to say I've already started it, and I'm enjoying the audiobook very much. I'm yeah, doing the there's, there's some for this split one. opinion about the audiobook mm-hmm. out there, I noticed. Yeah. Um, I like it. I think some people deal with various accents easier than, than others. And I think that can make a difference. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, let's wrap up hunt the stars by Jesse Mahalik. Um, I wanted to kick things off with, uh, this hilarious thread, um, called too much sexy time, <laughs> too much sexy times. Um, this one comes to us from uh, writer, Benjamin, a new poster, I would say, um, who says, did anyone find the book? had a little bit too much sexy time. I know this is an enemies to lovers trope. Uh, by the way, this will be a spoilery uh, discussion. This is a wrap-up episode. So oh, good. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you gave the uh, the warning. Mm-hmm. 
but it's a little bit more explicit than I normally read or that we usually get. The main characters are supposed to be getting a good night's sleep before a clandestine assault, and these two are making out instead of resting. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, yes. I. Here's the thing, writer Benjamin. I worried when I picked this that there would be too much sexy time. Mm-hmm. While I was reading it, I was like, Ooh, yeah, this is more sexy time than we usually get. However, by the end of it, I was like, actually, I thought there'd be even more sexy time than there was. Like, I felt that it was very for a sexy time book, mm-hmm. very prudently used in the I would telling say of the story. But were this a vaginal fantasy pick? Mm-hmm. I would say very low on the sexy times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, As I can a sword see that. and laser pick, I would say definitely on the upper end of the spectrum for our books normally. Yeah. Um, and maybe a little bit more explicit. Well, maybe not. I mean, I feel like there's been some books that we've read that are more explicit, yeah, except I think for the so. last one. The third, like the final encounter, definitely got a little bit more like. But they saved it for the one time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So not and not that explicit. I mean, I'm pretty, I have read some extremely explicit books like say, for vaginal fantasy. I don't fantasy, think we've read anything so. nearly that would no. count as even medium on vaginal fantasies no. uh, rankings. But my favorite comment here is uh, from Ian from Rebel, Rebel Geek who says, it was awkward in my car. But it wasn't <laughs> totally much of the book. <laughs> right. I like to it think was, that he wasn't, wasn't alone in the car, though. He was like driving for Uber or something. And like the first time the they book. sort of like almost made out in the parking garage, I was like, oh, so we're not just going to go for it every time. Like this is going to be a, this is going to be a slow burn, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I feel like, yeah, there, it was it was tension building more than let's just, you know. Yeah. Talk about it. You know, it was not the point of the book. Buzz also said, I was completely unprepared for the sexy times because I was behind on the podcasts. I was rocking around the park listening to the audible when the (laughs) pool and shower scene uh, erupted. Lol. Uh, For me, he says, though, I thought the sexy times felt a little forced. I found myself being a lot more embarrassed than titillated. Yeah. Well, I, I think it depends on what you're used to. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't read a lot of books that have a lot of sexy time, so I can, I don't really feel like I'm an accurate judge. Well, this is kind of this is kind of what I was saying. Like it was, I don't like. I always feel bad because I always worry that the authors are going to hear my feedback, and it makes me uh-huh. feel bad. But I have to feel like I also have to be true to the audience and the spirit of the show, and give my true yeah. opinions, or else you what can is be even the kindly point? honest. So you're okay. being honest, but you don't have to be mean about it, which you're not going to be. I know. I did, you know, as we mentioned in the beginning of the book, I started to pick up on the familiar tropes that tend to come up in in you know these urban fantasy or kind of space opera novels that that mm. veer into the romantic um, that was very typical of what we would read for for VF back in the day. And so the sexy time scenes felt just like like expected, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, know, you felt them maybe. coming predictable, a little bit predictable, which is fine. I mean, I guess that's 
Tomahomi says paranormal romance. Is this a, it's not really paranormal romance. This isn't a paranormal romance. This is more. It's, it's not a paranormal romance, but it mm-hmm. feels like it's it written like a paranormal like romance, those, which yeah. makes sense given Jesse Mihalik's story urban. Well, of she's wanting more to urban write. fantasy. Yeah. yeah she she, that's write what she fantasy. originally wanted to write. Yeah. Urban fantasy and paranormal romance can all often overlap for sure. Totally. Yeah. Um, or be one in the same sometimes in certain, certain books. Um, I don't know if there is a term for science fiction romance, if it's just science fiction Ooh, romance. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Alien romance. Sure. I'll go with alien romance. Dwango. I like it. Um, so it was definitely an alien romance. Ailro. <laughs> Ailro. I feel like um, I'm, I'm trying, I'm looking through our old picks and I feel like Tanith Lee is the one that jumps out as definitely being mm-hmm. more explicit. That was there. The I mean, American Gods was pretty explicit. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But not like consistently, just like had a scene here or there. Did we read Tagana? No, we read Tagana for for vaginal fantasy, but Tagana is like. We did. Guy gave her okay. We read yeah. Tagana? Yeah, in June 2012. Was it. Tagana, or was it the other Guy Gavriel K book that we read for Vaginal Fantasy, or did we do a combined read where both clubs read the same book? I don't know. Uh, no, it was the Lions of. Uh, That's a random penguin book, by the way. Oh, you're a random penguin. Oh. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to find, figure out. It's the Lions of. Oh, the witches but, and the no. wardrobes. What? No. The Lions of Wall Street. No. The Lions Al-Rasan. of Detroit. Thank you. The Lions of Al Rasan. Thank you, Licorice. Um, that one, that one got pretty hot and heavy. I don't think Tagana did, but Tamahome um, said it too. Oh, they oh, they both did at the same time. Good job. Literally the same time at 721, but Tamahome was faster, just by a hair. Um, yeah. So anyway, um this had some romance in it. Which was a nice, nice change of pace for us. Definitely part of the, you know, summer read fun, something a little bit lighter, a little bit more, you know, in that vein. Yeah, I I so. know it's expected for me to pick a romance, but you know, as you do, as you do. That's that's why we're moving into a hard boiled mystery next with Veronica's pick. Totally. Uh, Speaking of romance, David said, I read this book back to back with a Kindle monthly freebie called Mind Games, and I ran into a similar experience with both. In Mind Games, there are a few thrown in references to faith in God, but it really didn't move the story along or have any overt impact on any of the characters, actions or motivations. At the end of the book was a page or so talking about the protagonist's faith. In HTS, the romance seemed to have a similar impact to the story. Seemed like they had to add some romantic tension, then finally release, sorry if that's a bit (laughs) vulgar, uh, to get the romance tag added to the book. It didn't really add anything to the story. I think the tension was enjoyable, just jarring. I really enjoyed both books. They both had a story to tell, interesting characters, puzzles to solve, and kept me wanting to read more. The faith slash romance parts were like out-of-tone commercial breaks and totally took me out of the story. Leaves me wondering if that's how all faith-based and or romance books are written. Mm. Uh, lots of folks were like, no, not really. That's that's you know, that's not the way all faith-based and or romance books are written. Uh 
I like what Ruth said, Ruth to uh, Ashworth. I think it's just different tastes. I'm halfway through, and to me, this is a brilliant enemies to lovers romance framed around a cool sci-fi mystery. The romance is what comes first in this book. At least that's mm-hmm. how it felt when I was reading it. From mm-hmm. the get-go, it's been a, gosh, he's easy on the eyes for someone so evil. And I'll admit to some very girly size at certain wrestling sections. The sci-fi <laughs> mystery set dressings are lovely, but this is basically Pride and Prejudice, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I 100% agree, agree with Ruth um, for this one. Like the the romance felt like the core element to me and the sci-fi, as I mentioned in previous episodes, felt like the, the thing that was tacked on. <laughs> so. This is a Reese's peanut butter cup. You got yeah. your sci-fi and my romance. You got your romance and your sci-fi. And if you don't like peanut butter, you're like, man, that chocolate was good, but there was all this peanut butter stuck inside. And if you don't like chocolate, you're like, man, there was all this peanut butter, but it was surrounded by chocolate. Uh, if you like both, then you're like, I love Reese's peanut butter cups. And I feel like that's why this book is getting that reaction is some people are like, yeah, I don't really like romance. So the sci-fi was great. Why did they have all that romance in there? Uh, and vice versa. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, John Taloni, by the way, says that uh, science fiction romance has its own acronym, SFR. So that's the answer to my previous question um, oh, about you. like, what is that called? But uh, yeah, I, you know, this is funny. Tangentially, this is related to something I experienced recently where, Um, I've been, I, I'm not going to name any names here, but I followed a newsletter for a long time that centered around like productivity. And, Mm. um, the author also wrote a book and the book was a Kindle deal for like 99 cents a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I'm going to pick up the book and read it. The full word was written by another author who casually mentioned that, her experience um, with some of these things was like wrapped up. Like she just, they casually mentioned like church going and blah, blah, blah. And her uh-huh. husband worked in the church and mentioned like also the author of this book was there for like a lot of times in my life where I needed help. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Like I'm not religious. It's not really something I'm into. So, but you know, I, I don't have any problem with anyone else's beliefs. And so I was like, okay. But then I started reading the book itself and that author also started mentioning a lot of like religious undertones to their thinking around productivity, mm-hmm. which I never picked up in the newsletter. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, now this feels overt. And it mm-hmm. feels like it's distracting me from like the, the core of like what I wanted to read this book about. And so even though I don't have a problem with someone else's faith, it just like completely took me out of the brain yeah, space yeah. of trying to get the information and it was just weird. And so that, that kind of reminded me of this. Like there was a little bit too much faith in my productivity. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I get what you're saying. And, and maybe this isn't what you're saying, but I can imagine where it's not even that you have a problem with faith. In fact, there might be no, someone in your situation who is religious mm-hmm. and would still be like, yeah, but that's not what I came here for. Yeah. I go there for that. And here I wanted productivity. And this feels like it's you know, maybe performative or whatever. I'm not saying that's what it was in that case, but I could see where that kind of thing might happen. Yeah. So I I get it. It's, it's, if you go into a book expecting one thing and suddenly you're hit with something else that you're maybe not in the mood for, not expecting, it can kind of take you out of the, the experience a little bit. So exactly like you were saying, sometimes it's romance in your sci-fi and sometimes it's sci-fi in your romance. (laughs) It can go either way. I (laughs) knew we were getting a Reese's peanut butter cup and I was very excited. You didn't, for it. did you? You didn't. No, we knew it was a romance. Okay. I didn't we just know didn't how know much of a sexy times. We didn't know it was sexy times. Well, when when 
when we kicked it off, we learned that there was sexy time. And that's when I was, you were like, Tom, did you pick a sexy book? And I'm like, did I? And then we knew before I started reading it. So once I started reading it, I was like, okay, here it comes. And it was not as much as I thought. Yeah. That you can take that out and quote me out of context. That's all right. And then finally, we have TT who says how it ends. They say, okay, I'm going to write this before I read anyone else's comments on Hunt the Stars. I started it almost right after Tom picked it and it was announced. It was my first day of vacation, so I finished it in the car on the second day. Such a fun, fast read. I couldn't put it down. It reminded me of C.J. Sherry's The Pride of Shannur at the beginning. Oh, okay. Yeah. As I kept reading, it reminded me of Becky Chambers and great romance novels. Jesse nails the sexual tension. I really enjoyed the idea of humans and Valoffs. Enjoy, love the sexy, definitely not a vampire magician. (laughs) (laughs) Loved the scrappy military protagonist. Loved how they have a history together on opposite sides and details are slowly revealed. Also love a good ragtag team on the ship Mm. setup. The only negative was that I felt the plot didn't go far enough and things were resolved too easily. It was set up to have all these exciting things happen. Confrontation with the queen, betrayal by Veloff best friend, more sexy stuff between other crew members, and so on. But this never paid off and I was disappointed. I love that they were being betrayed by their own race on both sides, but I hate to say it, they weren't betrayed enough. (laughs) I feel like the author's strength is the romance part, and she needs to push the sci-fi climaxes a bit. Uh, But I'll definitely read the next one. Loved it. To which Oaken responded, gotta leave something for the next book in the series, I expect. And TT Mm -hmm. wrote, oh, good point. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's that's definitely felt, I really think that the... uh, the uh, the queen is going to make a big big appearance in in the next book, um, so yeah, I think it can go in a lot of places. And there's definitely a three way happening between some of the crew. Definitely something going on with Key mm-hmm. and and Stoic Valoff guy who yep. pissed her off in the beginning. We never found out what he said to her. By the way, that drove no, me I crazy. Don't. Yeah, that drove me crazy. <laughs> So there is a little bit of that sort of like, oh, I guess this is a series because they dropped a few hints for things that maybe we'll pick up later, which is fine. People do that all the time. I'm I'm certainly not going to judge for that. I think the criticisms of you could have taken it farther, you know, and, and pushed it and been more betrayal are totally valid, but also not required, if that makes sense. I actually like a book sometimes that doesn't go as far as it can go that isn't mm-hmm. as intense as it could could be and and maybe lets me off easy as a reader and thinking of like man i just want a space adventure let's do this uh this book fulfilled that and i don't know if i would have liked it as much if it had pushed the betrayals farther and pushed the intensity up cuz i wanted it to be just interesting enough to keep me from getting bored uh but also to be enjoyable and not and not be always pushing me to the edge of my seat. I I didn't want it to be too stressful is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Um I you know, I I'm okay with like stories not being completed all the way as long as I don't get like mm-hmm. a massive cliffhanger like Pandora's yeah, Star for yeah. example. Um <laughs> Which I, really, that's just midway through a very long book. Pandora I don't think Star. I'll ever recover from that, the, from the, yeah. the infuri, infuriatingness feeling, the fury of that cliff, literal cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> anyway, 
I have PTSD from that. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I agree with most of our posters tonight. Like it was a fun, fun, quick read. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't love it, uh, but definitely I don't think I'll continue the series at this point. Um, but yeah, but I, I would recommend it if you're looking for if you like science fiction fantasy, if you love a little bit of romance and sexy times um, and you want to uh, essentially get some pride and prejudice and space vibes. It's a summer fling. A summer fling. Short and sweet. Love it. Mm -hmm. And y'all are sweet out there, too, especially you who are patrons. This show is entirely funded by you folks. Thank you so much if you back our show. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about in our show notes and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And you can join in on all the discussions at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!